everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of School Nutrition Dietitian. If you're anything like me, you're always interested to know how other food service operations are run. This episode, Stephanie Hennessy from the Department of Juvenile Justice is here to help us do just that. You may be surprised to learn how much her operation is like your own. Okay, let's jump School right nutrition in. nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian. much for coming on with me today. I know you've got a busy schedule, but thanks for carving out some time for us. Before we get into what you're doing now, can you tell me a little bit about what interested you in nutrition and dietetics in the first place? Uh, Sure. I think I, um, I kind of meandered through my undergraduate career for a little while trying to figure out um, what exactly it was that I wanted to do. But I had lost a lot of weight and I was just very inundated with nutrition and exercise all the time, kind of just in the media and researching in magazines and whatnot. And it just kind of clicked one day that I was thinking, well, I do this in my free time anyway. Why not like learn about it and then become a professional? And so when I started out, I was very like fitness focused and um, really Uh, weight management focus. But as I got more into the dietetics program, I realized it was much bigger than that. And uh, yeah, everything just kind of took hold from there. With you starting out with more of that interest in fitness, do you still find yourself drawn to that as your primary passion or not so much? You know, it's funny because I, I find it to be fascinating and interesting, but I also find it very irritating. Like it's, there's just so much out there all the time. And I think people, especially online are just so inundated with fads and the latest diet. And, and at some point it was just like, this is too taxing. I can't do this. I'm very, I'm really interested in what's going on. And I try to keep up with the research. Um, But I realized pretty quickly that, um, I don't know. Sometimes it just felt like fighting a losing battle and I didn't feel that passionately about it. Um, I guess that's not true. I felt passionately about it, but I just didn't know if I wanted to, uh, make it my life's work. So it's more of like a personal hobby for, for that fitness and nutrition aspect of it. Um, and just didn't really want to make it my, my career path. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes it feels like, um, you're throwing pearls before swine, like when you're trying to convince people that they should listen to the evidence-based solution to their problem. And they're like, no, no, yeah. but I want to just like try the sunflower seed only diet for a couple of weeks and see what happens. This seems like, yeah, 
you're begging people sometimes to listen. So I can get that. Yeah, I can't I can't compete with Dr. Oz. I do not have that (laughs) TV personality. So I just let that ride. People do what they want. and Everybody's happy. Yeah, exactly. So what pathway did you take to your internship? Uh, So I decided to go ahead and go straight through at Georgia State. I did my undergraduate there. And then I immediately enrolled in the coordinated program. And I just chose to do that because I felt like the dietetic internship, I think when I started, I wasn't fully aware of, um, you know, you have to pay for some of these internships and placement rates can be um, lower than anticipated based on the number of preceptors. And it just felt a little intimidating. And at the same time, I knew that um, the dietetics profession was moving towards, um, you know, a requirement for masters. And I wanted to, I, you know, something that I wanted to do for myself. And I really loved Georgia State. So it was kind of an easy decision for me to go ahead straight through the coordinated program where the internship and the master's uh, coursework was all rolled into one. Okay, that totally makes sense. Do you take students now at your current job? Do you have interns? So it's something we're looking into. Initially, there was some concern, I guess, like the Georgia State legal program and our um, legal division just couldn't come to an agreement about a couple of like nuanced things that back in the day were an issue. Um, But things, you know, so much has changed and time has passed. So it's something that my director and I have talked about taking on preceptors because this is such a unique environment, or I'm sorry, becoming preceptors and taking on interns because it's such a unique environment and it's a, it's a really neat environment to share um, with dietitians or, or upcoming dietitians. Yeah, I think food service in general seems to re- really be underrepresented in a lot of programs. Yeah. Um, when you were doing your practice hours, did you get a lot of food service exposure? Um, like a little bit. I remember um, Senior Connections was one of my food service rotations, and that was like food service and community um, so I didn't get a ton of exposure, but it was definitely there. And, you know, there was some coursework in undergraduate and graduate, I believe that did, um, focus on, on food service. So my exposure was limited, but it was definitely present. Um, and I kind of connected with it. I felt like I, I get this, like I'm, I kind of groove with this, but it was, I guess it's pretty limited. Yeah. So that's when your interest was really sparked and moving in your current direction. Uh, truly, that I I don't even know why I didn't think of that. I think that the at the time it was like, oh yeah, there's food service, and I think I'm pretty good at this, and I can do the numbers, and I can look at a layout of the kitchen, and I like to cook, but it just didn't like connect with me that this is what I would end up doing. I was so much more clinical focused because dietetics is so um, you know science based, and so I just felt like, well, to make the most of this. I need to be in clinical, which is what I ended up starting out to do. So I was all on board with, I'm going to be a clinical dietitian forever um, when I first got out of college. That I feel like that's what almost everyone pictures themselves doing. And I don't know if it's just, like you said, the focus on the sciences. And once you struggle, well, not that everybody struggles. I struggled in medical biochemistry. I struggled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I once struggled. you go through that, it's like, well, I'm going to be doing two feedings for sure because there's no reason for me to yeah. have done all that. I'm just going to be like in the kitchen. But I yeah, I didn't food. cry over a pile of books for nothing. So I'm using exactly. this. Yeah, I had like no exposure really to food service before I 
did my school nutrition rotation. So how did you end up in your current job? Uh, well, I went into, um, acute care. I went into acute care and long-term care. Um, and it was miserable. It was like, just, it was sad. I mean, it was sad work to do because you're in a, in a long-term care facility and the location that I was at was not run well. And I think it makes a really big difference when you go into a nursing home that's run well and you see people being treated well and you see them like thriving in their own right. And then you go to places like where I went and I like, I didn't have a super easy time getting a job. I want to say that I, after I um, took my exam, I think it was like three months before I got a job and I'm like sweating it over here. My student loans are about to be due and I hadn't had a single offer and I had interviewed and submitted resumes and um, they offered me a job at this, this, um, long-term and acute care facility. And of course the wages were pretty low, pretty low. A little bit of shell shock happened when I got the offer. I was like, I got to take this, you know, I don't really have uh, much of an option otherwise. And there was some food service that was kind of rolled into this position. So I'm thinking, okay, get a little bit of food service experience. I know that food service, oh, I had discovered that food service paid a little bit more, and, um, after that I started working, I gave it my best shot. I really learned a lot, but it was just, I mean, I was miserable. I was miserable every day. I was like, I think I forgot what it felt like to have a good day. Oh, and no. at that point, How long <laughs> at that point I realized that? like, like a year and a half oh, on wow. it. Not like I got my chops, you know, and I remember so I started looking for a job and I was like, honestly, I was applying for anything that was out there. And I remember some of my final days in that long-term care facility where we were doing like a clinical kind of um, a meeting where I, I had to transition all the patients out, say, you know, what was going on with everybody. And I'm standing up there and I'm like saying all this stuff. I'm like, I'm a rock star. I know all this information. I know all these patients. And I kind of had second thoughts about it. And then I just realized like, this just isn't for me. There was no growth within that clinical position. Um, the pay wasn't ever going to get better. And so I got a call from Department of Juvenile Justice to come be the registered dietitian, create menus, run the National School Lunch Program, um, do medical nutrition therapy diets for the youth. And I was like, I don't know what this job is, but I'm <laughs> going for it. And I interviewed and I got it. And that was kind of the end. And I never went back to clinical. <laughs> oh, see, that's exciting. I know that if the facilities run well, long-term care could be probably better, but I don't think it's ever going to oh, be yeah. a happy place. I don't think it's a place for sensitive people or if yeah. you're any kind of an empath at all, you cannot stay in a place like that. Like it's just yeah, the it was- sadness is overwhelming. Yeah, it was a it was a struggle, and I didn't connect well with um, the leadership there. The director and I just, I think we were both kind of hard headed. And if you don't have good a good relationship with leadership, where you're going to be doing a job that's emotionally pretty taxing, like yeah. it's you can just cut it loose yeah. right then because you don't have that support. It's a it's a hard hard place to be. Right. So in your current job, what does an average day look like for you? It sounds like you've got a lot 
that was supposed to be in your arena even before you got there. But I'm sure once you get in it, it expands and is even more than that. So what does an average day look like for you? Well, I feel like I, I mean, it changed so much. So I started there as the registered dietitian where I was literally just creating a four week cycle menu that repeated for the entire school year. Um, and for the, a detention center, the school year is essentially like July to June. I mean, it's a full year round. So all I had to do was make this like four week cycle menu and make special diets for kids with allergies and um, so it started off as being like totally different environment, but pretty smooth sailing. And what I realized is that, um, or maybe not what I realized, but what started happening with restructuring um, started to occur kind of without much of a input from our department. It just sort of happened. And um, suddenly we had, well, you're the dietitian, but would you like to be a regional, like a regional food service administrator? And that was, that's when my food service experience started to really ramp up. Um, so I went to food service as a regional, which is a total different day in the life of, and now I am the chief of nutrition and food services. So now I'm over our regional. So a day in my life is like, Right now, we're trying to hire a new regional. Other days, I'm out at facilities with my regionals to train and oversee and prepare for audits. And um, I'm all over the board. It's fast paced. It's really variable. But I'm doing a lot. (laughs) So it's more leadership now than like MNT and nutrition focused things. Yeah, I think that is one of the really unique things about food service for dietitians specifically is that the growth opportunity is really stupendous. Like I I started out as a dietitian making the menus and then I'm going out to facilities and overseeing, you know, the day to day. And now I'm over the people that are overseeing. So the leadership opportunities were like, they just kind of sprouted up and, and it was excellent. I mean, it's, it's taught me so much and I'm still learning every day and there's still opportunity for growth. So, yeah. You said before you even ended up here, you knew that you enjoyed cooking. So was there anything else that you already had like in your toolkit that has been applicable that you didn't realize would be handy? Um, I think, I think that I'm the kind of person that sees a process and can just kind of, mentally calculate how to make it move more fluidly and how to um, like see it just move more efficiently. And in food services, that has been really helpful and really impactful. I mean, things as far as watching our food service staff, you know, serve trays and being able to say, hey, put this here, put put this cold tray or this cold pan before your hot pan or put your buns here. And like things as simple as that and things as complicated as um, we need to restructure this dry storage area to make it more um, to flow better, to improve efficiency. Um, that kind of stuff has has been really beneficial to me, and it's not really a skill that I would have ever thought I was able to, you know, make part of my career. But here we are. <laughs> right now, for people who struggle with things like that, because that is crucial, and I think. Um, I, a friend of mine was talking about a basically like a productivity study that they did at a place she worked 
where because people didn't have that skill, they had to pay a consultant to come in to show them where mm-hmm. they were expending energy and kind of wasting time with the way they'd structured their kitchen and the movements that people were having to make. If somebody doesn't Mm -hmm. have the budget for that, do you know of any resources you would recommend for how to close that gap or how to identify a problem? I think, honestly, I don't know like a specific, you know, profession that can help with that. I know that our equipment vendors will come in and look at your kitchen and tell you, like, I think you could have better efficiency if you put this equipment here. Or um, they're like fabricators that will come in and say, I think we can change the way that this steam table is arranged or the way that these prep tables are arranged. And we can, you know, fabricate something for you that would work better in this space. Um, so there are vendors that kind of specialize and they want to sell you equipment. So they'll be real detailed about um <laughs> you know, what you might need. But I think honestly, to just be able to stand back and be an observer, you probably have, I think people probably possess that skill if they are able to just stand back and observe to see um, movements and motions and and where you lose efficiency um, if you've got the patience for it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And yeah, utilizing the vendors that you're already working with, that really Mm -hmm. is a good idea. So what was the onboarding process like for you as you moved up the ranks? Like when you first came into that initial job, was there already a dietitian there to kind of train you and explain what the limitations were with how national school lunch meal patterns have to be? Or what was that like? Yeah. So um, the, at the time she was the administrator of food services and she had just stepped out of the dietitian's role to uh, be the administrator of over the food service department. And she did, she walked me through it. Um, she was still relatively new to, um, to this career. Also, she's a dietitian and um, the change for her happened really quickly. She was the dietitian and then her administrator left after like six months of her being there. So um, there was a lot of quick paced change and we, she was an excellent teacher and we also learned a lot together. Um, she did send me a new director's orientation with DOE. So I was able to kind of get a lay of the land because school lunch was not some, that was not a rotation that I did. And I was like, totally uh, like just deer in headlights. Like I had no idea yeah. what I was doing. Um, but DOE was, I mean, their, re- their training resources are like some of the best that I've ever seen. So between D- her and DOE kind of um, leading me through it, I feel like I got a pretty good, um, a pretty good lay of the land. Okay. Awesome. And as you moved on up, then there was always the predecessor was available. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, and I think this happens a lot with dietitians specifically and, and maybe other professions too. You kind of end up making your own role. Um, having like the background that we have where I'm in the coordinated program, I had taken an entrepreneurship class. So I had, you know, just a little bit of a business background or like some of those tools in my tool belt. Like I just felt like I was able to grab from a lot of my education and internship experience and kind of put together something that I thought um, looked like 
something that our regional food service administrator could use. So we ended up actually writing the job description for the regional food service administrator that I stepped into and same for um, the chief role when it was created. So it helped to define your own role. <laughs> it kind of gives you a, a good vantage point of what you're going to be doing when you're the one defining it. So, and we've just, um, my director and I just kind of build these these processes together and there's a lot of um, self-training and you learn from the people that you're working with. Our food service directors were monumentally helpful to to help train us about what we needed to know to help them. Yeah. And I, I am noticing that as you move up and you're not just looking at entry-level positions anymore, the mm-hmm. expectation to train yourself and to be someone who can learn as you go definitely increases as your responsibilities mm-hmm. increase. So that all makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little unsettling at first when it first happens <laughs> and they're just like, um, good luck, read the code of federal regulations. You're just like, is that how we're going to do this? But it makes sense. I mean, we're competent <laughs> professionals. We know how to read. We can sit down and we can figure it out ourselves. It is nice sometimes to have both the option to train yourself a little and consult with a mentor or somebody with more experience. And it sounds like you've been lucky to have both. What are some of the differences do you think between DJJ and National School Lunch Program? I was looking, I mean, in public school settings, I was looking at the menus online and it looked like you guys serve three meals a day and two snacks. Is that right? How many meals do you feed the kids a day? Yeah, it's three meals and three snacks a day. So we do participate in the school breakfast and school lunch program. We also participate in the um, aftercare program, so the um, after-school snack. And then we serve dinner and an AM and PM snack that are non-reimbursable. Um, and, you know, that's that's just something we're paying for. Um, we do it's serve instead of offer versus serve because the kids get what's on their tray. They don't really have a way to be able to select options. Um, So that's, that's the primary difference between a traditional public school and, um, and DJJ. Is that also an option because you guys always have mixed age groups together, grade levels all together, or is that just a special exception for DJJ? I think I think it's primarily because most of the kids are high school age. Um, we don't have a whole lot of middle school um, age kids. So because it's primarily high school, um, I'm not sure that that's I, – I don't know that it's required that you do offer versus serve, um, if that's what yeah, you're asking. Yeah, my only – well, my understanding was the only time it's mandatory is just at lunch and just for high schoolers. But I know there are typically exceptions to all of these rules, like if it just doesn't make any sense for your facility. And I just wondered why yeah. it well, probably just doesn't make sense for this setting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that is that is probably why. And it probably is because of the mix of the age. But I do know that we predominantly have high school age um, youth in our custody. Uh, do you guys also have wellness or athletic programs that run there too? What other things go on at DJJ that affect like what the kids would like to be eating or their, you know, appetites? 
so, I mean, I think primarily at the kind of consider that these kids are, you know, they're not at home. They're, this is scary. This is stressful. Um, and they've like, something has been like their choice of what to eat um, isn't present the way that it used to be. And people are so connected with the food that they eat. It's really driven our department to um, make sure that we are honoring and providing options and um, honoring what the kids like. So we, our dietitian goes out to facilities and does um, like little focus groups with our kids to say, you know, what do you like on the menu? What do you not like on you on the menu? And we try to tailor it so that the kids are getting food that they like because they have a lot of recreation programs. You know, they're, they're having, um, you know, they've got basketball courts, they've got um, time out in like multi-purpose areas and, um, we have recreation um, employees that are there specifically to have rec time so that the kids can be engaged and physically active. So, I mean, I'm, I think what drives that appetite is these are growing, right. <laughs> these are growing children and they're hungry um, and they want to eat because it's comforting. They want to eat food that tastes good because it's comforting and they're in a stressful situation um, and they are physically active and they do have opportunities to um, participate in recreation and that's going to drive an appetite as well. Do you guys incorporate any nutrition education um, components into your program there or is that something that's done like more by some academic area of the facility? So we have, when, when we do the after school snack program, you know, we have the requirement that there's some kind of engagement and a wellness activity. So a couple of years ago, probably now, our dietitian created this huge database of like educational videos and activities and topics for the educators, like in the Georgia Preparatory Academy is the school that operates within the facility. And they have access to this database so that they can provide wellness education to the youth after the school day is officially over. And that's when we're serving that after school snack. Um, so every day, every school day, the kids are getting kind of a, a dose of, of regimented um, wellness education. Okay, awesome. So are there any projects that you guys are working on right now that you're really excited about? Yes, we, uh, this is like the most exciting thing. There's going to be a ribbon cutting. We're really pumped about this. Our dietitian has taken a much more active role, um, in applying for grants. And one of our facilities in, um, Northwest Georgia in Dalton, um, won a grant to do an aquaponic garden. And this is a facility that already had the kids engaged in like doing gardening activities. Like they're growing food. Like they're, they're serving the kids food that we're growing in a garden, which is just amazing and, and so therapeutic and, and just such a happy thing to happen for the kids. And um, so this aquaponic um, grant happening for them, our dietitians up there all the time, helping them plan, um, you know, how this is going to work. They've got buy-in from, I think it's a woman at a, a college nearby that's assisting with the setup of this. And I should know so many more <laughs> details about this, but um, I think they've like got the tank set up and they're going to have this whole aquaponics feature ready to rock and roll. 
I think they put the fish in either this week or next week. Um, oh, that's awesome. So participating in these grants has been awesome. We've got culinary programs that are um, happening at a couple of our facilities where the kids are getting kind of like training and, and culinary arts. And they've got so that they're building a skill for themselves, um, you know, as individuals and as, you know, people that are going to be part of the workforce one day. So there are some really awesome programs that are going on to to educate, rehabilitate, and, you know, provide skills to these that kids. That sounds really cool. I was going to ask, like, if there was any sort of culinary ed. So is that like an elective or that's just an additional activity that they can volunteer to be part of that's specifically with the nutrition department? It, so it's actually not run by our department. We're kind of assisting with like the procurement of of food and small wares for them to use. But the culinary department, I believe, falls under the education department. So um, they've hired their own staff to go ahead and, and do that. And we're going to try to get more involved just because, you know, it's an area of expertise for us. Um, and our dietitian has been involved with that and she's been helping, you know, um, design menu and information and stuff. So, so our department would like to be more involved and our dietitian is already bridging that gap for us. Um, but it's mostly run by the education department. That's exciting though, the, to see the collaboration. So are there other like external, um, stakeholders that you have collaborated with or, I just feel like most people don't know what goes on at DJJ. Do we get these kids back? Like, where do these kids go later? I didn't even know the facilities were connected at all. I thought everything Mm -hmm. was run by the city that it was in. So how many facilities are in your region, basically? So Georgia is is unique. And um, Georgia is from what I understand, one of the only states where all of the youth detention centers are state run. So we've called around to other states to find out, you know, what are you guys doing for your youth detention centers? Like, how are you operating them? And most of them, they're either privately run or run by the county or run by, you know, the the city. And and so we're really unique in that the state runs all of, of, of our facilities. And we have youth regional youth detention centers and youth detention centers. And the regional youth detention centers are where our kids are going to await adjudication to to find out if they'll have a sentence or whatnot. And then if they are sentenced, they'll go to a youth detention center where they they serve that sentence out. So those are longer term facilities. And that's where we're doing some of our culinary programs. And there are other vocational programs at those facilities because what we're trying to do is rehabilitate these kids and provide them with skills so that when they do go back out into the community, they're, they're leaving with more than they, than they came in with, you know, they're leaving with skills, they're leaving with, you know, a sense of accomplishment or, um, you know, just more self-worth when they're, when they're leaving our facilities. And I imagine that the focus would be more on rehabilitation with kids than maybe sometimes with adults, Mm -hmm. because, when they get out, their records will be sealed or not necessarily? I honestly, I'm not sure, but I can tell you our behavioral health department is just like cutting edge. They're doing some mind-blowingly amazing things and they are totally focused on rehabilitating these kids, like giving them a fighting chance when they get out, get out you know, addressing mental health issues and, and providing them with, you know, um, like some hope to... Yeah 
to exit and, and assimilate back safely into the community. Do you feel like there is a belief there that there is a correlation between how the children are fed and their mood management, their academic achievement, or is there that holistic view? Oh, for sure. I mean, if the kids are not satisfied and fed well, you know, they can't pay attention. And we know that even, I mean, that's why they have the after school snack program. That's why they have the school breakfast program. There's so much research to show that hungry kids are not focused kids and hungry kids are not, um, you know, they, they might not make as good of a decision as a kid that's well-fed. So, so we certainly believe that there's a correlation between a good nutritious meal and a full belly and the ability to make good decisions and to stay focused and to learn. Yeah, that makes sense. So all of the kids that are there while they're under y'all's care, it's basically the parents are not responsible for paying for any of the meals. You just, everything is CEP no. or how does the reimbursement work? Does it depend on the income levels? No, we're 100% covered. We're 100% reimbursable um, because these kids are staying with us. We're, we operate as a residential child care institution. So um, the parents are not responsible for any of the um, any of the cost of meals or anything like now, that. Does that mean you have to plan some of the meals under NSLP and some under CA, CFP or it's all the same meal pattern? Well, we actually looked into doing CACSP, but because we get reimbursed for breakfast, lunch, and after school snack, I think we're only eligible to cover one additional snack through CACSP. And we just kind of found this out again. Um, I guess some guidelines have changed over the last five years or so, um, and we're kind of reconnecting with um, CACSP to see how we can be involved. But as of right now, we're just operating under um, NSLP guidelines. It's uh, there's so much uh, to keep up with. How are you keeping track of like yeah. all the regulations? Do you sometimes have to wait until the situation arises and then start looking for regs, or do you have a a system? <laughs> uh, well, so. <laughs> It's hard. It's, there are so many regulations, especially in an industry like ours and corrections, because we're talking about like taking care of these human beings like full time. So um, we we comply with so we are looking to be um, accredited by the American Corrections Association. We'd like for all of our facilities to be accredited by that. So that's like a laundry list of um, standards and guidelines to me. And luckily, the standards and guidelines of a lot of these accrediting agencies and National School Lunch Program and Department of Public Health, a lot of them kind of meet in the middle in some way and overlap mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, but we do we do our homework. I mean, we have our um, ACA, American Corrections Association, we have those guidelines front and center all the time. And we have our Department of Public Health guidelines. I have the whole food code bookmarked in my documents. I have our policy and procedure, everything bookmarked. And we created an audit tool that um, combines all of those different standards so that we know exactly what they're looking for. 
And I will tell you the hardest one to comply with is the uh, Department of Public Health. It's like, we'll find out about a new training that's required or something by a health inspector that's inspecting a a facility, but we don't always know about it before it happens. Do you feel like they kind of forget about you guys? I, you know, I don't know. I think what's happening is that because we're spread out all over across the state, it might be that different counties have slightly different requirements for this training or that training and whatnot. And um, what may happen is that what, you know, city of Atlanta or, you know, the the DeKalb County Board of Health might require that we do this food allergy test, but the, I don't know, Greenville Health Department might say, well, you're required to do this other training. So it might just be a regional thing. I don't really know, but we have used Ellen Steinberg, the food safety specialist with Department of Education is like our own like personal savior on a regular basis, trying to walk us through whatever the Department of Public Health is um, rolling out. So she's been a great resource. And that's one of the ways that we've stayed on top of this stuff, honestly, because there's always a new question coming up. There's always something that we didn't know we didn't know and we have to reach out to somebody for help so it's it's been awesome to have some a resource out there that's as knowledgeable as she is good to hear that people who are years into their career that are established that are higher up in their organization still have that that sense that there's always something coming up (laughs) that you didn't know (laughs) and that you have to add because i know sometimes coming into a new work environment, you can be intimidated. Everyone is so knowledgeable and you may feel like, um, I don't know, like that imposter syndrome may creep up on you and you're like, I shouldn't reach out for more responsibility (laughs) because I don't know everything yet. But you really, you will never know everything, especially in this field. I feel like things are always improving. So that means change is constant. So yeah, you'll always have something else to learn. I don't think we'll ever be done. Oh yeah. The minute you think, you know, everything you played yourself because <laughs> you'll be a rude awakening. The minute you try to like school somebody and they're like, actually you're wrong and you feel real silly. I mean, it's, it's just part of the game, yeah. you know, to, to always be learning and to know you don't know everything. I, think I said, at a, I went to a training and there was someone there who had graciously like, let me shadow them pretty early on. Um, and they asked how things were going and I was tired of hearing myself say like, Oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what's happening. Where am I? So I just said, Oh, I think I have everything (laughs) under control. And she just looked at me like, "Mm, I hope you're just saying that. Like, I hope you know that that can't possibly be true. So I am getting the message that it's universal. Um, yeah. If you think you've got it all together, you're you're confused. Something is not right there. Yes. So I haven't been through an auditing experience yet. So what has it been like going through an audit? Like, do you guys, you also do the administrative reviews? Is that the right thing? Yeah, it's the administrative review from, from the Department of Education. So we just had our AR and um, it's really stressful. <laughs> it is like, I mean, it's another one of those instances of, oh, my God, I had no idea that we didn't know all of this information. But our area consultant was super helpful, walked us through everything. Anytime we had a question, I think that's the one thing that I do realize about audits is 
as stressful and scary as they can seem, the reason that you're being audited is to make sure that you're in compliance. And if you're not in compliance, it's not like anybody's trying to punish you. They're trying to help you be better. Um, So going through the AR review, we realized we're actually much more prepared than um, then maybe we were concerned, you know, what if we don't know this? What if we don't know that? But we were actually quite prepared. And I'm sure our area consultant was like, please, God, stop texting me. Stop calling me. But, we, you know, you just need to do those things to make sure that you feel comfortable and confident with where you are. And then going through the actual audit itself felt a lot more comforting because we had been so connected with our governing agency throughout the process. Um, of course, like, I'm not, <laughs> it's so very, very intimidating, right. but they really go out of their way to make you feel comfortable and confident. And, and sometimes that concern and uh, stress is a little bit self-imposed, um, but it was, it was good. I mean, our audit experience was good and it, it reinforced that we're doing the right thing and, um, and reinforce that we have a really good support system in Department of Education. That's, that's definitely the sense I'm getting. We're going into an audit year next year. And I one of my big concerns is just that maybe I am not storing information in one spot that I will mm-hmm. later wish I kept all in one spot. But I guess I'll know <laughs> by the end of the year, I'll probably have a new strategy about how I'm going to organize um, some of my things. Because when I got there, our, the last dietitian had been gone for like a year and a half, but everyone talked about mm-hmm. her like she had just left. But when I called her, <laughs> she, she was really helpful over the phone. But some of the questions she was like, do you realize how long it's been since I've been there. So, yeah. Um, so it's. <laughs> yeah. Gap, gaps in employment pose a problem when you're talking about having to have five years worth Hello. of documentation of anything. Exactly. It's, a, it's a struggle. <laughs> like you said, it'll be a learning experience. They're there to help. They're there to help us be better. Um, we all want to be responsible with taxpayer dollars. So, And we all have the same mission. We're trying to take yeah. care of our kids the best way that we can. And we want all these kids to be better for having had some kind of interaction with us. So I just have to remember the point of it and not completely freak myself out. Totally. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like... I got. I have a way better idea of what goes on over there. Is there anything people don't understand about DJJ that you wish everybody understood or knew? Yeah, I I think that we really battle the stigma of like prison food, and the food that we serve the kids is so good. I mean, it's like I eat the food there, and my regionals eat the food. Like I had a burger yesterday, and it's like better than a burger that you get at a, like a fast food restaurant, and. And I, I wish that that stigma would would go away that, you know, this it's prison food because it's nutritious. It follows school meal guidelines. The kids enjoy it. It's fulfilling. And, and you know, we really want to shake that that stigma of prison food and say, like, this is good food. This is better food than a lot of us get on a regular basis. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's good food. And, and these kids are they're they're kids that have a lot of goodness and 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 promise in them and and they deserve to eat a great meal just like the rest of us thank you so much for coming on that was great yeah thank you dahlia i think that'll be like about where i
Is it just me or was it totally fascinating to learn how many enrichment activities are available for these students around food and nutrition? That's really exciting. So as usual, if you didn't get a chance to take notes, don't worry. I've done that for you. Please visit the website and join the mailing list. It's the best way to keep up with all that's going on in relation to the podcast and any other projects I'm working on. And I also want to thank people who've already taken out the time to like and review the podcast on iTunes. That really helps with visibility. So thank you so much. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, please consider it. Okay, you guys. Have a dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the school nutrition dietitian. Woo.